Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show. The Biden White House, as usual, is in chaos. It's a chaos, however, unfortunately, that they spread throughout the federal government. And the Democratic Party is also taking note, a deep and abiding concern there in the the Democratic Party mitts. And the Democrats more than a little anxious now about the midterm elections as polling shows not only disapproval of both the president and vice president, but a firm conviction among Republicans and independents that the country is headed in the absolute wrong direction. All this is former President Trump's polling numbers remain high and stable and joining us now to take all of this up and much more. The award winning, outstanding investigative reporter and digital media entrepreneur, John Solomon. John is the CEO and editor-in-chief of Just the News and a great American. Good to have you with us, John. It's been way too long it, since we talked. How it has. Yeah, I've been doing great. I love your show, and this is a real honor to be on today. Well, I'm, it's an honor to have you, and I uh, hope you'll come back uh, soon and often. Uh, let's turn <laughs> to this, this Biden White House. It, it's just... Uh, uh-huh. It gets worse by the minute, and there's a story a minute. It seems about uh, Hunter Biden, and oh my gosh, it just goes on and on. Uh, your thoughts about how much trouble this White House is in, and as uh, some considerable concern too, just how much trouble is the country in with the Biden White House? Well, listen, Lou, when you look at it, uh, President Trump's popularity is rising. People are craving the policies that he had and he left behind that the Biden administration put into reversal. And meanwhile, the the Biden-Kamala Harris ticket, if you add their popularity together, you you barely get to 50% with two of them. You got Joe Biden in the 30s approval, 20% approval ratings for Kamala Harris. The country is not happy with where this administration is taking people. They don't like the woke agenda. They don't like inflation, which is a major tax. And when they listen to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, what they hear are these elitist answers like, oh, inflation isn't a problem. It is a problem. It's taking a bite out of people's wallets. The border isn't a problem. It's closed. No, it's not. Millions of Americans, millions of uh, illegal aliens are flowing into American communities because of an open border. There is a complete rejection to the approach that Joe Biden has. And the more they watch the Joe Biden agenda roll out, the more they crave Donald Trump's policies. You know, I was looking uh, at your your site, Just the News, as I is is my custom, and I, as I. As I look over your homepage, uh, it, there's just one disaster after another for this yeah. for this president. Uh, it just there's no way it can get better because he, frankly, is not getting better, is he? No, listen, you look at him, you watch him on stage each of these days when he has a press conference, he's 
fumbling. He's reading uh, the teleprompts instead of the actual words he's supposed to read. He is a mess. And, you know, one of the places where he is failing the worst, and this is perhaps the biggest repudiation of big government democratic policies, Joe Biden keeps losing in the courts, whether it's the district court, the appeals court, whether it's on the border policies he has, the COVID-19 mandates. He is getting repudiated like no president in American history. And what the courts are saying is you're stretching the limits of government beyond what the Constitution allows time and time again. Joe Biden and big government are getting rejected in the courts. And I think downstream from the courts, the American people are saying the same thing. Get out of our lives. Get out of our economy. Let us succeed. You give uh, Russia a pipeline and you close down an American pipeline. What the heck are you doing to America? Exactly. And and to your point, an article in the New York Times today with a Democratic uh, strategist uh, examining the Virginia election and the takeaways for it, uh, talking about we have a problem uh, in the Democratic Party. It, it's more than what he even suggested and what the New York Times reported. They're talking about, well, it's a matter of messaging. It is a matter of uh, branding uh, and the idea that the suburban voter, principally female and suburban voter, will be moved on these woke issues when, in fact, the economy is number one. But there, there's it's a much larger issue than that. This is a wrong-headed uh, uh, White House uh, with a absolute uh, overwhelming Marxist flavor to everything it uh, everything it does. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Listen, they, 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 in fairness to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they told the American people, we're going to give you big government socialism. They told us that, and that's what Donald Trump was crying from the rooftop. Do you really want socialism? And now Americans have tasted it for 10 or 11 months and like, this doesn't work. Everything I buy is more expensive. It looks like they want to shut down energy. They got rid of America's energy independence in 10 months, erasing one of the greatest achievements of the last uh, half century in America. They've seen the impact of big government socialism, big government impact in the life, and it didn't make it better. COVID didn't go away. The economy didn't come roaring back. There is a gap of workers who won't even come back into the marketplace because they don't trust the economy. Uh, they have seen and tasted big government socialism. And just like the people of Cuba and Venezuela and all of Eastern Europe, they're like, it doesn't work, Joe. Get out of our way. And I think this is the moment. The, the Virginia uh, election was a wake-up call, but the 2022 elections are poised if Republicans stay on message and, and use their advantages to be a watershed election, a rejection of big government unlike what we've seen in a very long time. Yeah, big government right now has a tag along, and that is big business. Uh, the old yeah. alignment between big business, corporate America, U.S. multinationals, the globalist elites, uh, and the Republican Party uh, was always secure. It is now not frayed. They're untethered. And the alignment between big business, big finance, Wall Street, uh, and the Democratic Party is a reality. And it's, it's not being acknowledged, uh, in my judgment, by enough people in the media, and certainly none uh, in the left-wing media. Uh, it is going to have a major impact in an election that is now less than a year away uh, with decidedly a Republican advantage. But I, that could be overwhelming if Republicans acknowledge uh, that reality. I know it's uncomfortable for the establishment uh, rhino uh, Republicans, but they have to look at the fact, the reality, 
This is the Trump party. It is the party. The Republican party is the party of working men and women, our middle class, our, our small business people, uh, our middle class. I'll repeat again. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's where we have to watch, uh, our, we, that's what we have to look for, what we have to watch over, uh, and hope that the Republican party establishment comes to its senses, uh, well in advance of these elections in November, 2022. You are so right. Listen, there is an enormous, Donald Trump realigned the American electorate, unlike anyone in a century and the middle class, the working class along with uh, uh, evangelicals and Christians and freedom-loving Americans, all created a whole new coalition. And joining that coalition more and more every day are Latinos. Asians are coming in more. You're seeing a remarkable, diverse thing. And here's the funny part. The woke CEOs of corporate America are talking like Joe Biden and AOC, and they're getting repudiated. But the truth of the the truth of the matter is their companies need Donald Trump's policies. They don't want Joe Biden's policies. They're suffering under Joe Biden. There was an amazing survey on our site the other day. Uh, We got it from one of the great management companies that are like the horse whispers to CEOs. And they did a survey and they said they surveyed CEOs and 63% of CEOs say, we love that we're taking on social policies in America and we think we're making our company stronger. And then they interviewed the consumers of those companies. You know what the consumer said? Get out of social business. That's your job. Focus on services and products and leave my social and politics alone. Only 36% of the consumers thought the CEOs were right to do that. There's a disconnect in corporate America. And in 2022, I think that reckoning is going to come. You're going to see more and more departures from Twitter, more and more departures for some of these companies that back Black Lives Matters and now have regret for what Black Lives Matters are doing in the, in the policy sphere. Uh, the entire paradigm of corporate America is going to sh- get shaken up by the consumer base who said, Get out of this crazy politics. Stick to services and products. The new CEO of Twitter, after Jack Dorsey, uh, resigned his role as uh, not his founder role, of course, but his CEO role. Uh, he, you know, the new CEO is a bigger woke left wing Marxist than was Jack Dorsey, uh, and as a result, oh, yes. the stock continues to drop, uh, and uh, Twitter itself is not engaging. Uh, there are playing with it's a public company and what they're doing to shareholders is the stuff of in any other administration the sec would be all over them for what they're doing there's no but in this sec uh it's uh (laughs) they're going to sit on their hands and watch uh, as a terrific platform uh is diminished further your thoughts there'll be a moment and go, go ahead There'll be a moment next year when Donald Trump's Twitter comes into place. And if it becomes the chosen uh, social platform of the Trump nation, you could see 10, 20, 30 million people close up their Twitter account and move over to truth. Uh, And, you know, they've been waiting for this moment. We thought Parler was going to be that moment or maybe Getter. But I think people are waiting for the truth platform, the, the Trump social media platform. Imagine if you're sitting at Twitter or you're a shareholder at Twitter and 5, 10, 20, 30 million people say, see you later. I'm signing off. I found something better. They don't censor me there. Twitter could be driven into the ground. And I think that's part of the reason uh, Dorsey bails out now. He doesn't want to own the that disaster he started when he began the censorship of President Trump and many conservatives across the country. He's bailing out now, but I don't think Twitter's future, when truth comes aboard, is going to be very bright. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a very interesting uh, twelve months as we watch all of that unfold. 
it, there's also the issue, without any question, uh, in, in terms of election integrity. Are the Republicans doing enough to assure that they don't get run over uh, in, in an election that is historically uh, and existentially, in my opinion, uh, the most important uh, that we will see since, well, all the way back to 2020. Yeah, you know, I don't think establishment Republicans are doing enough. I don't think the Ron and McDaniels and the RNC, they didn't do enough in 2020. They settled for all of these agreements and changes in election yeah. law that weren't authorized by legislature. They failed. There is a group of grassroots, fact-based, driven warriors on the ground in many of these states, in Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania particularly, that are not giving up on the 2020 election. They're finding the facts, not the theories. They're finding the facts. And I'm going to make a big prediction because I've been reporting on this now for about six weeks uh, chronically. I believe Georgia will become an extraordinary lightning moment in the next six to eight weeks. You're, you're going to see the conversation in Georgia flip from things that it's been about to something called harvesting, ballot harvesting. There yeah. are videotapes, there are records, and I think you're going to see the establishment, the Kemp Raffsenberger establishment, dig in and realize there was a problem in Georgia, there was a problem in Arizona, there was a problem in Wisconsin, there was, it was a problem in Pennsylvania, and harvesting will be the word we'll all be talking about in the new year. The unfortunate aspect of this is all of the focus on the machines, uh, yep. you know, led by Trump administration folks, people who, uh, who yep. otherwise, uh, you know, were in, in, in one case, I'll just refer to Sidney Powell, I mean, that woman was a hero, uh, and yet she carried on uh, far beyond, if you will, her brief uh, and the facts that could support her. Uh, yeah. We have to. This that was time, the mistake that was made. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when when you to, when you gave me and helped me with Russia collusion and all those things that we did, right. we stuck to the facts and we unraveled Russia collusion because we had facts. We had FBI documents. We had videos. We had right. witnesses. We had, and I think that early period after the election, there was more emotion than there was fact. Listen, Lou, I think Georgia is going to become ground zero for the election integrity debate in 2022. There have been a lot of things going on the ground. Now that all the theories and all of the uh, uh, emotion has been stripped away, people are beginning to take a look at the facts on the ground. Even Governor Brian Kemp, Brian Kemp, who has been saying for months everything was fine in Georgia, he just made a referral to the state election boards pointing out something that just the news first broke in June, that there are hundreds and actually thousands of ballots uh, that were counted in the in the audit that was then used to certify the election that appeared to be erroneous, double counting, miscounting, errors. It could be several thousand votes that uh, are uh, changed by the state election board. That was initiated by Governor Brian Kemp, a guy who once claimed that there were no problems in Georgia. Separately, uh, Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger, the man who went on 60 Minutes in January and said everything was fine, we had a perfect election, he has now got several investigations open in Georgia. Shredding of ballots have been con uh, or ballot applications have been confirmed. He has uh, an investigation into ballots that were counted that didn't have proper chain of custody. And I predict that the thing we're going to be looking at in 2022, that the Georgia Secretary of State and everybody else is going to be looking at in Georgia, it's going to be a, a thing called harvesting, which is illegal, meaning someone goes out and takes your ballot and delivers it for you. In California, that's legal. In Georgia, in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, it is illegal under state law. We're seeing evidence on the ground of a full-scale investigation looking at potential 
potential illegal harvesting of ballots, something that could have changed the outcome and something that has to be addressed before people vote in 2022. Absolutely. And before uh, and in this, the national left wing media, the uh, the the government uh, of Joe Biden, uh, there has to be a a. a a righteous moment in which people say this is not going to stand uh, when the yes. American people, and I'm not talking about the election per se, I'm talking about the American people had lots of valid, uh, urgent uh, and deeply significant questions about the integrity of that election. They were rebuffed at every level, almost in almost every state. No investigation is necessary. We will not investigate, said the attorney general, said uh, the uh, FBI. The Supreme Court, with two two opportunities to have dealt straightforwardly and honestly, and yes, it would have been messy as hell uh, with this election because of the questions that were raised and which they dismissed first on jurisdictional grounds, which is really remarkable in and of itself. Uh, Do you agree, John? Yeah, listen, I think we learned something important in 2020. The courts are not going to referee the election after the fact. And that is the wake-up call for people like Ronna McDaniel and the RNC who sat there and watched all these rule changes going on across the country and did nothing about it. There were numerous warning signs in every one of these states that Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona were making changes, and yet they wouldn't address it. The courts have now said, listen, we're not going to go back and referee it after the fact. It's incumbent on campaigns and the RNC to challenge the Stacey Abrams of the world before the election. Don't let these things happen. Don't let it go to after the election. That was the big learning in 2020. And that lesson uh, still needs, I I believe, another uh, one or two seminars or tutorials uh, to conclude. And that is, (laughs) why are we putting up up with an RNC after having lost one of the most important elections in history? Uh, not having a single change at the top of the uh, RNC or the leadership or the way in which it does business. That's unconscionable to me. It's uh, absolutely ignorant that that the current leadership is still in place after the debacle of 2020. We have some uh, FOIA battles that we're fighting in Georgia. I'm sure we're going to win them where we know that the Secretary of State's office in Georgia briefed the RNC, briefed the Trump campaign lawyers and other people and told them these are the things Stacey Abrams is doing that are problematic. We see no evidence that the RNC uh, and others have ever followed up. And we hope to get that body of documents in the next few weeks and make that public so people can see there were lots of points of failure, right? Some of the failures are things like the incompetence of Fulton County and the corruption of Fulton County, Georgia. But some of the failures were on the Republican machinery who sat by and allowed rule changes to go that should have been contested. We know that because, listen, the Wisconsin Legislative Audit Bureau says there may have been as many as 30 illegal law changes that the Wisconsin Election Commission did. Those are unelected bureaucrats, and they made changes that only the legislature should have been allowed to do. Everybody who sat still and let that happen has to join in the blame of the 2020 election loss. Absolutely. Uh, You know, as we wrap up here, we've talked about the problems facing uh, the Republican Party electorally. We've talked about the Democrats with what is a is it, it is a form of civil war within the party itself. Uh, there's a civil war in, apparently in the White House itself between the staff and the 
uh, of the vice president and the staff of the president. That seems like a war that should be over in about three seconds once the president says, you know, heal and uh, end this nonsense. That's right. Not, that's not <laughs> the case. The Republicans have uh, something similar going on. Uh, whether it be Kevin McCarthy and his role uh, uh, in, in the House as uh, minority leader, uh, and within that, uh, a, a bunch of rhinos, uh, at least 30 of them, uh, that are active and unreliable for the party itself and creating great problems. Uh, and, uh, for example, Nancy Mace, I'm going to bring it up specifically, uh, and yeah. uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're in a feud that is, uh, uh, I mean, it's extraordinary. Uh, and it Greene is. Uh, is is not putting up with Nancy Nancy Mace and her, uh, she's referred to as a rhino by Congresswoman Greene. Uh, but it, it's even more than that. It, this is personal, and there are more instances uh, beyond this. But your thoughts about how the Republican Party needs to handle it and uh, what will be well, the upshot? I, I was very lucky uh, before he passed away to get a day with uh, President George H.W. Bush. And while he wasn't the quintessential conservative, he had this incredible insight to Ronald Reagan. I asked him when I was sitting with him, what was the best piece of advice the great Ronald Reagan gave you? And he looked at me, smiled, and he said, right after the very bitter 1980 primary, Ronald Reagan brought in and he said, George, I want to tell you something. If you're ever going to pull a pin in the Republican foxhole, for God's sakes, throw the grenade onto the enemy. And there's a lot of wisdom in what Ronald Reagan said there. Republicans have a lot of disagreements. There's a, a battle for the soul of the party. But you know what? The greater enemy to Republicans is the Democratic Party, the woke socialism, the big government socialism. And I think a lot of Republicans, if they can set aside some difference, settle them behind closed doors, the opportunity to obliterate the Democratic Party, to literally have the American people crush big government socialism is sitting right there. Glenn Youngkin erased a 12-point Democratic advantage in Virginia. If that isn't a something that everybody in the Republican Party can get excited about, I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, the, the American people want to hand government back to Republican, to common sense, Republicanism, conservatism. All the Republicans have to do is run on the great ideas that they all share because they share almost all the ideas together. Yeah, they're rhinos and they make stupid mistakes and they're conservatives that get too edgy. But the Republican form of government, federalism, state rights, smaller government, less uh, taxes, less government spending, the American people are craving it, and they're going to hand it to the Republicans in 2022. Only the Republicans can lose that election. I agree with you uh, to a point, but let me explore that foxhole. Uh, that grenade sure. uh, in the foxhole uh, is often brought there by the rhino uh, combatants. Uh, no and, doubt. And they are more aligned with Democrats than they are Republicans. And to me, the, the existential question for the Republican Party itself is whether or not they can build a party firmly on conservative principles uh, and and move forward. Because what when they're being led by Mitch McConnell uh, in the Senate, when John Thune is is hanging around like an albatross, uh, you're, you're talking about people that are soulless yeah. on principle. And, and not anything approaching a conservative. And the American people are not going to be fooled. Uh, they're not going they're to not. put up with nonsense. And they mean to have America first principles because I think the, I guess the, what I'm really saying here, John, is 
the Republican Party is now validated as the party of Trump. Uh, these, it is. The, his leadership is what, ins, is what inspired uh, the uh, the win in 2016, uh, and and frankly uh, engendered such uh, animosity on the part of the left. They didn't care what they did, uh, no matter how dishonest or dishonorable, to try to stop him. And the, and here we go again. So it's going to be how strong yeah. the party is, it seems to me, uh, and committed to the to the Trump uh, uh, principles, putting America first, putting America first and everything. Uh, your thoughts as we wrap up here. Uh, I couldn't agree more. The polling shows that that's what the American people, even independents want that approach now. And it's important to, for the Mitch McConnell's and, and the rhinos in the party to realize they're in the minority now. They have to acknowledge that the majority of the party has a vision. Go execute that vision. Stop making stupid deals with the Democrats that don't advance the American cause. If they do that, 2022 is going to be an extraordinary year for conservatives and Republicans. If they continue to do stupid deals with the Democrats, fold their cards after drawing a line in the sand and show weakness, as Ronald Reagan said time and again, you win uh, peace through strength. Right now, the Republican leadership doesn't show strength, but its base does. And I think it's incumbent on the base to force that principles to the front of the line and get through the 2020 election where real change can occur. Uh, I don't think Mitch McConnell will be the Senate leader in 2022. It'll be very interesting to see if, if they win, if he's still the Republican Party leader. And even Kevin McCarthy, a lot of people say he doesn't have the votes yet. Let's wait and see how history plays out. But principles are there. The American people gave the Republican establishment a roadmap of what they want. They better deliver it or they're going to wake up uh, greatly disappointed on November 4th of next year. John, it's always great talking to you, and uh, I hope you'll be uh, rejoining us soon. Uh, always learn something and always enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much. John Thanks, Solomon. Well, I really appreciate you. Take care. Thank, thank you. Take care. John Solomon, Just the News, catch his podcast and uh, go to justthenews.com. We'll be. Uh, We'll be coming right back in just one moment. Please stay with us. Today, we're taking up the Biden administration's peculiar approach to this new variant of the COVID virus, or if you prefer, the Wuhan China virus. I say peculiar, but uh, with some hesitation, the Biden White House does almost everything in a peculiar fashion, where they're trying to mandate vaccinations, mandate masks, or how a small business runs its business. I don't know about you, but there's something just a little terrifying about this White House, which is obviously distracted by what is almost open combat between the president's staff and the staff of the vice president. The president continues to get lost, of course, entering and exiting rooms. He denies news reports that his staff has to confirm them 24 hours later. His inability to communicate in coherent sentences is also troubling, to say the least. And the list goes on, of course. To think the Biden administration tries to mandate, to order American citizens, small and big business, to do anything is hard to accept, given their inability to do much of anything right themselves. No wonder the president's approval rating remains underwater. His disapproval rating has been higher than his approval rating since mid-August. Even the radical Democrats and Marxist leftists are getting a little nervous, make that extremely nervous, 
with the midterm elections now less than a year away. What does the future hold? When anyone talking politics asks that question, there is uh, just really one person that I think of turning to. And with us is that legendary political strategist, pollster, and campaign consultant, best-selling author and columnist for the New York Post, Dick Morris. Dick, welcome to The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. Great to be here. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, uh, from Fox to your own podcast, and I hope to a new destination soon. Well, I, I join you in uh, that hope. Uh, but it is, a, as you know, a complicated world, uh, uh, the video yep. world. And so we'll see how all of that unfolds. And I'm just thrilled to, uh, to be, uh, you know, it's so much fun for me on this podcast to be rejoined with my audience uh, and to be talking uh, about the issues that matter most to this country, uh, as you well know, yep. uh, better than almost yep. anyone. Uh, the stakes now are higher than ever. Uh, and I want to get your sense of what is happening to this administration. Uh, staff members uh, seem bailing on uh, the vice president uh, almost daily. Uh, the friction between the two staffs and apparently uh, some friction directly with the president of the United States, if you can imagine that. Uh, what's going on and how, how difficult are these days going to get uh, for the country uh, and for, in particular, the Democratic Party? Well, let's unravel your question. Uh, first, I think the immediate future is pretty clear. Um, inflation is here to stay. When you make the transition from people noticing inflation to people anticipating inflation mm -hmm. to people adjusting to inflation, it becomes impossible to get rid of it. It gets written into collective bargaining agreements, escalator clauses and contracts, Stores raise their prices in anticipation of what the suppliers are going to do. And the trend toward inflation, the inflationary psychology sets in. And at that point, it's almost irreversible. And I think we're at that point. Uh, we know from Volcker the only solution to that is to kill the patient. Uh, he solved high blood pressure <laughs> by giving everybody a heart attack and draining the country of its blood. <laughs> and once it was half dead, uh, he yeah. let some more credit seep in and revived it. But you literally have to kill the patient to save him. And uh, that's the condition we're in right now, and we're headed yeah. toward worse. Yeah, there, that, Biden, was, that was, the. of course, I, I, I love your, uh, your construction of uh, uh, how to deal with uh, runaway inflation. Uh, and, and you're right, because the, t the typical response historically has been to raise rates to a level that no one can stand. And the pain is ubiquitous yeah. and uh, uneven still, yeah. but ubiquitous. I, I, I just, at this point, find it interesting that the Federal Reserve uh, is talking about uh, inflation being with us for a long time. And a few months ago, they were talking about it's transitory. I believe that was the word. Yeah. Transitory, as was the... Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Now, suddenly, it's a permanent feature of our lives, and there will have to be yes. serious pain. Uh, how do, does the Biden administration in any way expect the American people? And I really don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican. When you hear administrations reverse themselves within 24-hour periods, uh, when you hear them reverse their judgments on professional matters, such as the view of the Federal Reserve, the view of the Treasury Department, uh, they look like bloody fools, 
and absolutely confused about fundamental economic theory. Well, I think there's a reason they look like bloody fools and absolutely confused about fundamental economic theory, and that's because they are bloody fools, and they are <laughs> totally confused about economic theory. <laughs> the, um, the, the point is that, uh, is that Biden has reached a critical economic and therefore political mass of inflation concern, mm-hmm. and uh, the polling reflects that. And uh, everybody is incredibly focused on inflation. Uh, in um, John McLaughlin does monthly national surveys right. of a thousand nationwide each month. And in August, he had Biden one ahead, and September Trump one ahead, and October Trump one ahead, and then in November he had Trump six ahead. Right. And uh, what happened between October and November was politically, of course, the Virginia election, but more importantly, the national realization that major inflation was here and was likely to stay. And that has just destroyed Biden's credibility. His solution is to sign new legislation, uh, spending more money. And as far as the voters are concerned, he's signing not a stimulus package, but an inflation bill. <laughs> they literally think he's signing it as death and right. signing a bill to have more inflation. And in fact, he really is. Uh, so I believe the political consequences of this for Biden are far from transitory. I think they're disastrous. I think there will be a massive shift in Congress in the by-elections. It'll dwarf anything that's happened before. I think the uh, Republicans will obviously get control of the House. And I think, and I think also obviously the Senate, and I think the gains will be huge. I think the Republicans will pick up uh, five to six seats in the Senate and perhaps as many as 80 seats in the House. And uh, the 80, uh, that magnitude of a change, I don't think has ever happened. Maybe 1934 was was one time, but basically never. And um, I believe that there are many, many consequences that will fall out from that. The first is that I think there is a history. First of all, I think Biden will be dumped. I do not think the Democrats can take Biden into the election. Uh, I think that they know that he's radioactive. His ratings now are at 36. Harris is at 27. And they're going to drop further. You'll be talking about a president after the midterm election who's in the 20s. And uh, they're just not going to renominate the guy, they, even if he wants it. And they might sidetrack him with the 25th Amendment, but I doubt it because they don't like Harris either. And um, I believe that there is a pattern that's very important here that goes on historically. Whenever a left party, a liberal party, loses an election of consequence, they immediately solve the problem by exacerbating it and moving further to the left. Mm-hmm. And the pattern is clear. When Reagan defeated Carter, the Democrats nominated Mondale and Dukakis before they became sane and nominated by my old boss, Bill Clinton. When Thatcher beat Callahan in Britain, the Labor Party nominated Michael Foote and Neil Kinnock, two crazy leftists, until right. they got sanity and nominated Tony Blair. And the reason that happens is that the when the Democrats and the Labour Party lose, uh, their purists say we didn't energize our base, we compromised on a program, we passed half measures, now let's go whole hog. 
And that all drives moderates out of their primary. And they become Republicans in Britain. They become conservatives or Lib Dems. And it makes the party move further to the left because its primary electorate is moving further to the left. So and that, I, think what's, I think what's likely to happen in 24 is that there's a consensus that they need to get rid of Biden. Uh, he'll probably step aside when it becomes clear. And that Harris is no replacement and she'll probably be forced out also. And I think at that point, the Democrats are likely to be controlled by Obama, who will try to designate a black candidate. Uh, my own guess is somebody either on the left, like uh, um, like um, the former attorney general, Eric Holder, uh, or in the center, somebody like Duval Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts, or Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey. Yeah. And of course, the blacks are in a position to control the Democratic nomination because they've structured the calendar that way. Right. The, the current math is that New Hampshire and Iowa and Nevada, the traditional primaries, don't mean anything. Let me, Dick, let me ask so you something on that point. At what juncture do Hispanics in this country say that 12% of the country should not be making decisions about 60% of the of the Democratic Party, that is, including Hispanics, which are the largest minority. It's almost as if, you know, that's got to be a deeply uh, disturbing uh, trend for for the Hispanic community. Yes. Well, uh, I've done some very in-depth research about Hispanics. Uh, McLaughlin and a guy named John Jordan and I collaborated Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago on a 1,000 interview poll of Hispanic voters in the U.S. And uh, we found that Trump continues his gain. In 16, he got uh, 26% of the vote. In 20, he got 34%, and our polling now has him at 38%. And I think by the time we get to 24, he'll be well over 40 and perhaps even carry the Latino vote. There's a trend going on with Latinos that's very important and nobody's noticed. The we car- Trump carries evangelical Protestant Hispanics by about uh, 19 points, and he loses Catholic Hispanics by about 10. And the ratio between the two changes almost monthly. Uh, in 2007, uh, evangelicals were 15% of the Hispanic population in the U.S. Uh, then by 2011, they had grown to 19%. And then 26% during the 2020 election, and they are likely by 2024 going to be 38%. So even if Biden does nothing and Trump does nothing, there's a movement of almost five points, almost five points every five years from Democrat to Republican because of the underlying religious demographics of the Hispanic population in the U.S. But let me continue my elaboration about the calendar, okay? Sure. I think that Obama, Obama's theory, obviously, was you eclipse the first three primaries by South Carolina, which is a basically like D.C., a black primary in the Democratic Party. And then three days later, you have Super Tuesday, where the, a huge number of the votes are black, almost 40%. And that, that's how you control the Democratic nomination. 
And I think that's what he's going to try to do, because I think that the extreme woke left of the Democrats are going to begin to lose total confidence in the establishment of the party. And they're going to say, look, we are not going to run on a ticket of senility and incompetence, which is the Biden narrative. And we think that they sabotaged these reforms, this once in a lifetime opportunity for fundamental change out of deference for Senate traditions like the filibuster. And the hell with them. We're putting up our own people. And I expect one of the squad, very possibly AOC herself, to run for president. And I think that confronted with the desperation of a wipeout in 22 and the danger in their minds to the turn of Donald Trump, who is going to run and is going to be the Republican candidate, I think that they will have a ready audience in the Democratic primary. And increasingly, the Democratic voters will say, let's get rid of this old leadership and turn to young, new, charismatic, dynamic, Hispanic woman as a candidate. And I think that she will sweep the primaries. And I think the Democrats will suffer the same fate as Dukakis and Mondale and Foot and Kinnick and lose a decade worth of elections. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting uh, outlook and and perspective. Uh, I also wonder, uh, and I'm. I hope you take this so you can play it back when it happens. Uh, we will de- absolutely do that. Uh, complete with marching band and a hallelujah chorus for yeah. Dick, for Dick well, Morris. But let me let me let me, let me put to, put it forward to you, on. if I may, <laughs> a, a, a a scenario that appeals to me. One is after two impeachments, uh, uh, attempted impeachments of the president uh, during his four years, uh, uh, almost four years of uh, FBI investigation. Uh, under the Russia collusion hoax uh, perpetrated and funded by the Democrats and specifically Hillary Clinton's campaign uh, and uh, the harassment and the hounding of this president. I expect the Republicans will uh, nominate him by acclamation almost immediately. Whether he wants to run or not, I don't know. But I think it will be by acclamation. Out of shame and embarrassment for what they've I done to him. This- and the, and the other part of it is, and the other part is, perhaps the Democrats, out of their shame and embarrassment for what they did to him uh, and the American, uh, this great republic, maybe they will also join in uh, nominating him by acclamation. What do you think of the prospects? <laughs> no, my God. Uh, shame is beyond the Democratic Party. <laughs> it doesn't even register. You're too low for zero. <laughs> but, um, but I do believe that there's only one thing that could screw up the scenario that I was laying out, which is that the triumph of the Republicans in the off year goes to their head and they pass crazy proposals that alienate the country just as much as the Democrats have alienated. And uh, I think it's very important that there be some control rods in that nuclear reactor so it doesn't blow up in their face. Well, I think that's a very good point, uh, because the Republicans, as you were talking about the the left and the and the response of the Democratic Party to defeat is to go even further left. The response in the Republican Party has been to tolerate rhinos uh, and uh, those who would otherwise be very comfortable in the Democratic, just as comfortable in the Democratic Party, more so perhaps than in the Republican Party. That group of people has moved into leadership. They will be in 
uh, an impairment, uh, an obstacle uh, for even President Trump, should he try to uh, to run for office again in uh, 2024, and I, amongst others, certainly uh, want that to happen. Uh, but I, th- I, I see the same old problems. Uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, Kevin McCarthy, a, a, a band of rhinos uh, supported by extremely generous donors. What? How big a problem is that? And what should be done well, about it? I'm not ready yet to put McCarthy in that category. He made. He may deserve it, but he hasn't done it yet that much. But McConnell and Thune, you're absolutely right. I don't think those guys are going to survive 2024. I think that you're going to see, um, uh, you will see McConnell thrown out as majority leader. I think Thune might be defeated in South Carolina because Trump may well not put a candidate into that race. Thune's my knowledge, is still not declared he's running for another term. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? I don't think he has. Right. And um, I don't, and I think that it's it's rhino hunting season in 22. I think of the 10 congressmen that defied Trump and voted for impeachment, there will not be a single survivor. I think Liz Cheney is going to lose by multiple uh, ratios, not just numbers, three to one right. or four to one. Right. And I think that uh, I think Kinzinger is gone, and all of them are gone. And I think that it's going to be they're going to be a reign of terror against rhinos. I am not concerned that the that the moderates or the rhinos will sabotage the agenda of Reagan of Trump too. I am concerned that after they take Congress, the Republicans will so overreach that we'll be right back in the situation that enabled me to help Bill Clinton come back in 1995 and 96. Right. Uh, and the second term by moving for impeachment and bringing up the, using the Monica thing. And I think that, I think that the dangers of overreach and arrogance uh, are very much there and you need, we need to work to control that process. You know, you and I have a different outlook on, 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 in this general area on arrogance. Uh, you're worried about the arrogance that might might uh, visit the Republican Party uh, after winning. I- I'm concerned about the arrogance of the rhinos in defeat. Uh, and uh, and the reason I include Kevin McCarthy is because he is he's been ineffectual as a leader, uh, has not got a uh, obviously has not had a, a, a good count, if you will, uh, in terms of his caucus, uh, it's, uh, you know, saying that there would be, uh, you know, no uh, infrastructure bill. Meanwhile, 13 Republicans go over and make the Biden spending plan yep. for trillions of dollars, not only possible, but forget <laughs> the reality. Uh, yep, so, absolutely. So that's my concern. And I think the concern of many Americans. One of the things that I think we, if you've got some time here, uh, and I, by the way, I want to say about Kevin McCarthy, I think he's a perfectly likable uh, fellow, uh, which I can say, unfortunately, just about of uh, most politicians uh, on the, at least in the Republican Party. Uh, what I'd like to see is results uh, and, and strength. Uh, but let's go to the issue of the last election, which is, have we, and, and the question really becomes, have we fixed that problem in the Republican Party? Or will we be played for the fools we were in 2020? And I'm referring to the RNC, not having a sufficient ground uh, presence, not having lawyers where they needed to be 
nor lawyers who could respond even when they were where they should have been. Well, there's, there's one fundamental issue, which is photo ID. 84% of the country wants it, uh, including majorities among blacks and Hispanics. And uh, most states have adopted it. Some have not. But um, you need photo ID in all of those states. And because HR1 and S1 are effectively dead, you're not going to have said on the Arizona court decision on uh, ballot harvesting, you're not going to have federal preemption in that field. And I think the states can, uh, for the most part, be counted on to deliver. Now, of course, in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan and uh, North Carolina, you have opposition governors who oppose what the legislature is doing, other parties, right. and they could veto that. But um, I think ultimately the state reforms are going to be able to prevent that. I also believe that just as in polling, we need now to adopt the statistical margin of error. We need to adopt the statistical margin of fraud. <laughs> and I believe that the Republican triumphs of 22 and 24 will be so huge that they'll be well beyond anybody's capacity to steal. I think, uh, and I think uh, President Trump was right to be saying that, that we need everybody to turn out. Uh, but it, it turns out that the Democrats in, in half a dozen states had already prepared the battlefield for, uh, to their advantage. Uh, and well, I am, you, need, you need some fundamental change in Republican philosophy. Yes. Republicans can no longer count on a low turnout to win. Right. Uh, turnout was 20 percent up in 2020, and that's permanent. And they have to understand the philosophy that every pizza delivery boy knows, that home delivery beats eating out, and have to bring the ballots to people. The very phrase GOTV, get out the vote, is oxymoronic and counterproductive. You don't get out the vote. You buy them pizza. You bring it to their home. You give them a ballot, and you fill it in, and you take it with you. Right. Uh, you uh, don't try to fight absentee voting. You encourage it. You encourage people to vote absentee. We can turn all of those new rules in our favor and win the election. We have our share of couch potatoes, too. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but I look at the Republican apparatus in, in a number of states. It's uh, while they do hold the seats and the legislature do hold gov uh, the, the governorships, uh, they're not they're not strong. And I'm talking about, for example, uh, the state of Georgia. I mean, my God, you've got rhinos uh, throughout the statehouse. Uh, they're incompetent. Uh, they played uh, a lot of long games and uh, and prevailed. Uh, we've got to well, have a better. We've got to have a stronger national organization as well. For if for no other reason than to assure that there is money and meanness uh, available to enforce uh, the support for the nominee. And that yeah. we don't see well, any. You, no, you can have no, no better example of that than Kemp, who single-handedly delivered the Senate to the Democrats yep. by refusing to call a special session after the November fraud to prevent the fraud from occurring in the uh, runoff election. But bear in mind that with all of the negatives about the Republican ground game, they did produce 11 million more votes than happened in 16. Mm -hmm. Democrats produced 15 million more. But if we run under the new rules and we use those rules, absentee ballots, 
early voting. Election day is a two-month process that starts in September. Uh, we don't encourage people to come to the polls. We don't give a damn if they do or not. We want everybody to vote as early as they possibly can. We bring the ballots to them. We have no problem with paper ballots. Uh, if, we, if we run under those same rules, uh, we can protect the victory margin that public opinion wants to give us. Well, that's a, that's a, wonderful, uh, that's a wonderful outlook. And uh, I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to cross both, both uh, uh, hands, uh, fingers, all directions, and hope that you're right. Uh, I personally am one of those guys uh, who really thinks if the RNC doesn't uh, get tough, get smart, and uh, you know, get, a, let's yeah. say, a half dozen Lee Atwaters uh, into the mix, uh, you know, this benign, soft approach is going to, to blow up in the it face of the Republican Party again. It would just take one if it was Lee. If it was Lee, it would just take one. I'm a belt and, I'm a belt and suspenders guy, Dick. I'm a belt and suspenders yeah. guy. Uh, let, let's let's close out with this. The, the president, uh, Donald Trump, uh, continuing to gain among Latinos, uh, as you pointed out. He also is looking at a situation where Biden in the most recent uh, Harvard uh, biennial poll uh, is uh, losing ground to the so-called fearful young voters uh, who were, by the way, hopeful by 52 percent in the spring uh, of uh, 2021 and by uh, this fall had turned to 56 percent fearful. That's an extraordinary shift. Uh, it yeah. means that this president has great opportunities uh, if he is to run for uh, re-election. Re uh, that says President Trump. Uh, your thoughts as we wrap up here on the well, prospects first, and a growing base for this president, even as he uh, is waiting in the wings, as it were. Well, first, I think Trump is definitely going to run. I speak to him frequently, and mm -hmm. there's never any doubt in those conversations that he's running. Uh, and I think he's guaranteed, as you suggest, the Republican nomination. And the Republican is going to win in 24, no matter who it is. So he's going to be, he's, he's 45, but 45, comma, 47 as president. I like it. The problem which he faces is that... <clears throat> He has not increased his vote share or his favorability, even as Biden has been crashing. He's stuck at 49, 49 job approval, 49 favorability, 49 vote share. While Biden has fallen from the low 50s to the low 40s and will continue to fall, Trump has got to begin to take more, more affirmative, positive messaging to convert the undecided vote to him. I think voters who are undecided, who were lately for Biden, mm -hmm. have decided not to vote for Biden. And if all they get from Trump is more Biden bashing, they'll say, I've already decided not to vote for the guy. What are you doing? What are you hocking me for? But if what they get from Trump is a new agenda of good issues, for example, attacking the IRS expansion and saying this is creating a new secret police in the country, or calling for the separation on big tech of the search engine from the product marketing, a breakup like ATT went through in the 70s and 80s. Uh, or for example, a proposal I've been making to uh, require school boards to be composed of majority parents, chosen by parents of kids actually in the school. 
if he comes forth with proposals of that or, or the, the Department of Justice sue under Brown v. Board of Ed against segregated schools, like Wellesley would now has affinity groups, which were essentially racial breakouts, yep. Yep. Uh, I think that that positive agenda would win him a lot of undecided voters and be enough for him to get well over 50. And until he's well over 50, he can't breathe easy. Wonderful point uh, and, a, and wonderful counsel. Uh, and I will just add to that, uh, I think the nation right now is desperate as well, and uh, especially uh, <laughs> desperate for allowing Trump to be Trump. And, uh, and that is critically important, that we have a, a yep. leader who puts America first uh, and who commits themselves to this country's uh, military strength and uh, a, 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 an economy that is prosperous and growing. Uh, and, and not uh, constrained or defeated uh, in terms of policies emanating from the White House. Dick Morris, I want to say, first of all, thank you for your wisdom, your insight, and your time. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. I know our audience has as well. Uh, I hope you'll come back soon and often uh, and share your uh, share your thoughts with us here on the Good America program. And Lou, I hope you drop in to see me at Newsmax. Well, I will be <laughs> delighted to do so whenever you're there, Hopefully but, not. but yeah. maybe a restaurant is, <laughs> or, or two before then. <laughs> That'd be great. Happy you holidays, partner. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.